Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Sunday church service. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for another beautiful day outside. It's such a wonderful, warm, glorious day, and it's just a picture of your eternal life that you offer every one of us. Lord, please bless us as we look into your word and study this passage on your transfiguration. And Father, please protect the words that I say, that they bring glory to your kingdom. Forgive the sin in my life so that your word is not hindered in the spirit world. And also please bless all the listeners today, especially the folks that are here at Bentley Commons. And also, Lord, that we would get something from your word today that would be a blessing in our life. And Jesus, thank you for going to the cross to die for our sins, for being the propitiation for the wrath that is due us. And also, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be with us. And we ask all of this in your name, Jesus. We love you, God. Amen. Today's message is entitled The Transfiguration of Jesus Christ. And the time frame in Jesus' ministry, he ministered a little bit longer than three years. And this is perhaps five months or so before he will go to the cross. As you remember from last week, Jesus had mentioned that he would come in his glory. This is the immediate passage that starts in the book of Matthew in chapter 17. And what he does in this passage is he takes Peter, James, and John, and he ascends onto a mountain. The name of the mountain is not mentioned, and perhaps it's not that important. But he goes onto this mountain. There's two other parallel passages in Mark chapter 9 and in Luke chapter 9 that provide additional detail. And the apostles had fallen asleep, perhaps because climbing a mountain is arduous work. For whatever reason, they were asleep. And while they were asleep, Elijah and Moses appeared with Jesus. He was transfigured in his appearance. And the Bible is unclear if the apostles, when they woke up, heard the conversation. But Jesus was discussing his decease, his going to the cross with Elijah and Moses. And perhaps Peter, James, and John, when they woke up, they heard this conversation. But Peter, not knowing what to say, and always, it seemingly is quick to speak, he suggested that they build tabernacles for Elijah, Moses, and Jesus, almost equating them on the same level. And while he was yet speaking, the Father spoke from heaven, and he said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then he gives the command, Hear ye him. So we see from that verse where the Father says that Jesus is his Son, making him God, and that he is beloved, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten, beloved Son to die for us. And then he says, Hear him, listen to his words, because Jesus has the words of life. So let's look at the cover page of your handout, and we will look at these verses. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, 
his brother and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart and was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light and behold there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him then answered Peter and said unto Jesus Lord it is good for us to be here if thou wilt let us make here three tabernacles one for thee one for Moses and one for Elias while he yet spake behold a bright cloud overshadowed them and behold a voice out of the cloud which said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased hear ye him and when the disciples heard it they fell on their face and were sore afraid and Jesus came and touched them and said arise and be not afraid and when they had lifted up their eyes they saw no man save Jesus only and as they came down from the mountain Jesus charged them saying tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead today we're going to look at four points from this message they all deal with the testimony all of us have testimonies when people think about you when somebody mentions your name a thought will come into their head about you and if you ask perhaps nine or ten different people what they thought of you you would have a composite of your testimony as viewed by other people the Word of God is full of testimonies and we're going to look briefly at a few of these testimonies that deal with Jesus the first point today is the testimony of the transfiguration Jesus appearance was changed in front of his apostles the second point today is the testimony of the prophets two of the prophets are mentioned here Moses and Elijah but the other prophets have also a strong testimony for Jesus Christ the third point today is the testimony of God the Father he spoke and instructed the disciples these three apostles and said hear you him and the last point today would be the testimony of Jesus Christ our Lord God and Savior let's look at that first point the testimony of the transfiguration Matthew 17 verse 1 and after six days Jesus took Peter James and John his brother and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart so the setting here is Jesus didn't take all of the followers all of his disciples he didn't even take the 12 apostles he selected three these three apostles James Peter and John are considered his inner circle and many times he took them apart and we know that when he separated them it was for a purpose perhaps to teach them or in this case he took them to pray Colossians 3 4 says when Christ who is our life shall appear then shall ye also appear with him in glory if you're saved today if you are a Christian today Jesus is your life he's the author of all life in the physical world all things were made by him and in the spirit world you must be quickened with the Holy Spirit in order to have life through Jesus 
And one day Jesus is coming again. And at that time, we will also appear with him in his glory. If you recall, last week we ended the study with Jesus coming back in his glory, which will be his second coming. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14 spells this out a little bit further. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. The essence of the gospel is we're all sinners. And the penalty for our sin is death. However, Jesus died on the cross. And this verse teaches us if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we are saved. And God will bring us with him when he comes back to rule. 1 Thessalonians speaks of what we know in the Bible as the rapture. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. The dead in Christ that rise first are the saints who have died during the past 2,000 years. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So the people that are walking on the earth, when the Lord comes back at his second coming, we will ascend to meet him in the air. And at that time, we will have a glorified body. And this transfiguration where Jesus presented himself with his glorified body is a little preview of what we also will have when Christ comes back. And then these verses end with this comforting words. Comfort one another with these words. God's word, his Bible, is a blessing for us. And from it we can draw many other blessings. So back to the text verse, Matthew 17, verse 2. And Jesus was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as light. This would have been a very impressive sight. We don't know if the transfiguration was during the day or if it was during the night. The apostles were asleep, so perhaps it was nighttime, and they had climbed this mountain and they were tired. But even if it was during the daytime, Jesus' transfiguration, the brightness of his being, would have even outshone the sunlight. We're going to look at a few select verses from the parallel passages. So here's the first one, Luke 9, 29. And as he prayed, so here we know the reason Jesus went to the mountain was to pray. The fashion of his countenance was altered. His countenance is the look on, upon his face. And his raiment was white and glistening. Even his raiment, his clothes, shone with the brightness of the sun. Exodus. This takes us back to the Old Testament where Moses goes up onto the mountain and he visits with Jesus for 40 days and 40 nights. And when he was in the presence of the Lord, he took on some of the attributes of God. His face reflected the holiness of God. And when he came down from the mountain, his face had this bright shining light because of his being in the presence of God. Exodus 34, 29. And it came to pass, 
when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. Moses was not aware, but when he came down, he was shining as a bright light. And he has the tablets, he has the Ten Commandments with him. 1 John 1.5, this is a blessing for us. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. The blessing is that God is light and in the spirit world darkness is sin. There is no darkness in God. There is no sin. Not even one little speck. God is pure and righteous and holy. Revelation 1.16 speaks of his countenance. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shining in its strength. What a beautiful picture. We cannot even look at the sun. It will burn our eyes out if we stare at it. And we're 93 million miles away from the sun. And here it says his countenance shines as the sun in its strength. John, when he was writing this down on the island of Patmos from the book of Revelation, he was writing what he thought in his own mind could capture the essence of Jesus. And perhaps this is an understatement. The second point today, the testimony of the prophets. We can look in the Old Testament and read Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, and also the minor prophets. And we can see how they loved the Lord. And many of them died martyrs. They served the Lord with their whole life. But one of those prophets, Elijah, was unique because he didn't pass. He ascended into heaven in a whirlwind. Let's look at Matthew 17, verse 3. And behold, there appeared unto them, unto Peter, James, and John, Moses and Elias talking with him. So Moses and Elijah, they're talking with Jesus. This must have been interesting to behold. We don't know if the apostles were still sleeping or if perhaps they're listening in on this conversation. Deuteronomy 31.9 says, And Moses wrote his law and delivered it unto the priests, the sons of Levi, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and unto all the elders of Israel. So Moses spent time with the Lord, and he was the one who shared the law with the leaders, the priests, the Levites. 2 Kings 2.11 And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by the whirlwind into heaven. Now Elisha was witness to this. And Elijah said, if you watch me go into heaven, Elijah already knew he was going into heaven without dying. He promised that Elisha would have twice the power. And Elisha did indeed see Elijah go into heaven. And it's been pointed out, if you count the miracles that Elijah did and compare them with the miracles that Elisha 
was allowed to do, Elisha did twice as many as Elijah. Luke 9.31. Again, this is a parallel passage. Who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Here's how we know what the topic of the conversation was. Jesus, speaking with Moses and Elijah, is speaking of his decease. He's talking about when he goes to the cross. And it says, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. This is actually a prophecy which was fulfilled. The next verse, Luke 9.32. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. So here we know that Peter, James, and John were asleep. And again, when they wake up, how much of this conversation they were privy to, we don't know. Matthew 17.4, again from the text verse. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou will, let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. Many times Peter spoke out of turn. Perhaps it would have been better for him to hold his tongue. And this appears to be one of these instances. Because he's offering, if the Lord will allow it, to make this tabernacle for two men and for Jesus, who is God, the Messiah. Man will never be on the same level or plane with God. Let's look at a few verses that talk about this. Isaiah 33, verse 17. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. As a Christian, we will one day see Jesus in his full glory and beauty. And this land where we will see him is far off. It's beyond heaven. It's beyond the universe as we know it. It's the third heaven. The first heaven being the atmosphere. The second heaven being the universe. And the third heaven is where Jesus' throne is at. Mark 9.6. Parallel passage. This is speaking of Peter. For he wist not what to say. Peter didn't know what to say, so he just kind of opens his mouth and starts talking. For they were sore afraid. We know a little bit here more about Peter. He was afraid. And part of the way he dealt with his fear was to start talking. And there are certain people that do that. Perhaps you know some. When they get afraid, they just want to talk and share it. Peter was showing this attribute in his personality. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? So Peter was misguided in making this tabernacle, which is kind of a small temple, because we don't need to go build a temple in order to worship. Once we're saved, our body becomes a temple of the Holy Ghost. And this verse here teaches us, what, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? If you're a Christian today in this room, the Holy Spirit lives in your body. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, the next book in the Bible. 
And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You see, Jesus is the only one true living God. He's not an idol, a statue fashioned with hands. When I've traveled to different countries, for example, in India, they have many statues set up on the street corners, and people will come and provide offerings, and they pray before these statues. They believe that that statue is a little G God. It's not alive. You could knock that statue over, and perhaps it would crack if it fell on concrete. That is not God. The Holy Spirit is the only one true living God, and these verses teach that. Romans chapter 14, verse 7 and 8. For none of us lives to himself, and no man dies to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. So God is saying, you're not living by yourself. The Holy Spirit is in you. And what you're doing, God is aware of that. And our life should be poured out for God. For the preordained will that he has set before us. He has given all of us a foreordained path to walk in. And that does not include sin. And it says, if we die, we are the Lord's. Because remember, for a Christian, to be absent from the body when we pass is to be present with the Lord. The third point today, the testimony of God the Father in this passage. God the Father speaks, and he has much testimony to give about his son Jesus in this passage. Matthew chapter 17 Verse 5 from our text. While Peter yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear you him. The Father is speaking. Look at what he teaches us. Jesus is his beloved Son. The second point, Jesus well pleases the Father. Everything Jesus did was to carry out the will that the Father had given to him. Look at the next point. He says, hear you him. Hear what Jesus has to say. The Father is instructing us to listen to the words of God. What are the words of God? It's his precious Bible. The Holy Bible is God's love letter to us to read. And we should read his love letter every day. He has passage of the scriptures that will bless us. Back into Exodus with Moses, chapter 19, verses 19 and 20. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah. And the Lord came down upon the Mount Sinai, upon the top of the mount. 
And the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. Here the Father descends in all of his glory and power on the top of that mountain, and it shook. And the people down below feared. And just put yourself in Moses' feet. God calls him up to the top of the mountain. Perhaps Moses feared going into the presence of God. Because remember, even the high priest, if he offered the sacrifice in the inner sanctum and he wasn't clean, confessed before the Lord, they would tie a rope around his ankle because if he was not clean before the Lord, he would die and they would pull his body out. And Moses knew this. He had to be clean in the presence of God. That also speaks to us living in 2018. If we want to approach Jesus in prayer, we need to be clean. If we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. This is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is almost three years before. This is the first time Jesus comes and is acknowledged publicly. He's at his baptism. The Father speaks from heaven, and the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus as a dove. And this is what the Father says. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. He says essentially the same thing. Throughout Jesus' ministry, from when he was baptized all the way through, giving up the ghost on the cross, he was well-pleasing to the Father. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. This brings us to where Jesus actually ascends into heaven, and it's before Pentecost when the Holy Ghost comes, the Comforter. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So Jesus went up into the clouds, and he's coming back with the clouds. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost say, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. Not everybody, perhaps in this room, is a Christian. This verse is saying, don't harden your heart like the Hebrews did when they were in the desert and they murmured against the Father who was leading them. Remember, there was a pillar of light at night and a pillar of cloud during the day, and they followed that for 40 years. They were fed with manna six days a week from heaven. And they still murmured. Their shoes did not wear out for 40 years. Their children did not get sick. God blessed them in so many ways. And yet they hardened their hearts. And that was what provoked God. That was the provocation. And God is saying if we today in 2018 refuse his free gift of salvation, of eternal life, we are also provoking the Lord to anger. Back to our text verse, Matthew chapter 17, verse 6. 
And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. So as soon as the Father speaks, the apostles, they fall immediately on their face. And they are so full of fear. Every time we read about human beings in the presence of God, they fear. And the Bible has hundreds of verses that deal with the fear of God. Indeed, we went into that in detail several months ago. We need to fear God because that is the beginning of wisdom. That is the knowledge of the holy. That's our first step in the path, this journey we take with the Lord. Indeed, we cannot be saved if we don't fear God. Luke, parallel passage, chapter 9, verse 34. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. So this parallel passage adds the additional information that this cloud comes down, and as it envelops them, this was a terrible, terrifying happenstance for them. This, they feared, and I think every one of us in the room, we would have that same reaction if that were us in Peter, James, or John's place. Leviticus chapter 9, verse 24. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. Here, even the entire mass of people in the presence of the Lord, they shouted in fear and they fell on their faces before the Lord, before his sacrifice. Isaiah 64, verses 2 and 3. This is speaking of even the world itself. The mountains will melt in the presence of God. As when the melting fire burns, the fire causes the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we looked not for, thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. One day Jesus will come and judge, and the world will melt away as it's consumed with the fire of the presence of the Lord. And each individual will stand before God to give an account. And it will be a terrible day of judgment for those that are lost. Daniel chapter 8 verse 17. So he came near where I stood, and when he came I was afraid, and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be thy vision. God allowed Daniel to see visions of the end times. And this is one of those testimonies of that. And he said, Daniel speaking, I was afraid and fell upon my face. Even Daniel, this holy man of God, who served the Lord more than 70 years. He was 70 years alone in Babylon. Even he feared the Lord in his presence. The fourth point today, this is the testimony of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Text verses chapter 17, verse 7. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. Can't you envision this setting? Peter, James, and John 
are on their faces in fear. And now the cloud has dissipated. And Jesus comes and touches them, perhaps puts his hand on their shoulder, and he says, be not afraid. When we are in the presence of Jesus, he so loved us, he died for us. We don't need to fear. In fact, God doesn't want us to fear. He wants us to give all of our cares and fears to him. Let's look at a few verses. Many of us in this room have memorized Psalm 23. In verse 4, which says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. A rod can correct us when we walk in sin, and the staff with that little crook hook at the end can draw us back in to our path that the Lord wants us on. Even though we walk through the valley of what seems like the shadow of death, it seems like there's no life left, God says, don't fear that. I am with you. Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. And we're going to look at this. John 14, chapter 14, verse 26 and 27. But the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. See, many times when Jesus was teaching and speaking and preaching, the apostles, they didn't get it. God is saying here to them, when I send the Comforter, then you're going to remember all these things that I've taught you. And it's going to be like this big jigsaw puzzle. And you're going to be able to put each puzzle piece in place. And it's all going to make sense to you. Because the Comforter is going to give you the wisdom and the knowledge. And bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. And then Jesus goes on to say, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. See, many times nations will put in place a peace treaty, and a week later they break it. God, when he brings us peace, it's eternal peace before the Lord. Our salvation is eternal. We cannot lose it. And then he ends this passage with, Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We don't need to be troubled or in fear because God holds the future. God knows the future. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God doesn't want us to have this spirit of fear. And there are many evil spirits in the world. And one of those spirits can be fear. God doesn't want us to have that spirit of fear. But he wants us to have his power and his love and a sound mind. God will give us a sound mind in order to have a close relationship with him. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Remember last week when we did the parable of the rich fool? God defined what covetousness is. 
Covetousness, which is equivalent to being greedy, is idolatry. Covetousness is putting a false idol in front of God in your life. And God doesn't want that. He says, let your conversation be without greediness and be content with such things that God has given you. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. John is writing the book of Revelation. This is the first chapter. Chapter 1 deals totally with Jesus. It describes him. And John is in his presence. And when he sees the presence of God, he falls on his face in fear. And just like Jesus at the transfiguration put his hand on John and said, Fear not, here he does the same thing in the book of Revelation. He says, He laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, unto John, Fear not, I am the first and the last. God is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. This was the very God himself speaking to John in this book of Revelation. Text verse, Matthew 17, verse 8. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus. So now Jesus touches them, and they look up, because they were face down in fear. And now when they look up, the vision's gone. Elijah and Moses are no longer there. And Jesus is now in their presence only Jesus in their presence. Psalm 115, verse 11. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Once we have a fear of God, a godly fear, not a terrible fear, not a fear of evil, because God is good. If we have this godly fear, God will help us and he will be our shield against the fiery darts of the devil in the spirit world. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Holy Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my love, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Jesus says once we enter into the kingdom spiritually, we are now in his family and we become the bride of Christ. We are also of one accord. In common vernacular, we're all on the same page. We become of one mind and we can put on the mind of Christ because the gospel actually commands us to put on the mind of Christ. And remember, God has promised us the sound mind. If we have the mind of Christ, we have a sound mind because God is perfect and strong and he is a sure foundation. Same book, Philippians, next chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. 
This verse teaches us God has all the power. He can change or create or do anything he wants. And this verse says one day he's going to take this vile, dying body, which is corrupted because of our sins, and he's going to give us a glorious body that's fashioned like his body. It will be a wonderful body because we will no longer be able to sin. What a glorious day that will be. The last verse from our text verse, this is Matthew 17, verse 9. This is as they're proceeding down the mountain now, and God gives us this interesting instruction. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them. He commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man is risen again from the dead. So once again, Jesus is commanding that his apostles, in this case only Peter, James, and John, that they cannot tell of this vision until he is resurrected from the dead. Now, that doesn't mean the three of them didn't get together and talk about it. Because the Bible does say they indeed did this. And just imagine, if you and two of your friends had seen this vision, don't you think the three of you would get together and discuss this and all the ramifications and how interesting it was? Especially if you overheard that conversation about Jesus going to the cross that he had with Elijah and Moses? Of course they're going to talk about it. And remember, there's another five months or so before Jesus indeed goes to the cross. And it's going to be another 40 days after that before he ascends into heaven. Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. This is the sign that Jesus gave to the Pharisees because they said, give us a sign that proves you're the Messiah God. Here's what he said in Matthew 12, 40. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So here, Jesus is giving the leaders of the Jewish nation, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, he's saying just like Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so will this Son of Man be in the heart of the earth, in paradise. Matthew 16, 21. This is the end of a, a message we studied several weeks ago. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Do you notice this verse is from Matthew 16? Our text passage is Matthew 17. It's six days after Jesus was mentioning this. Going from that point forward until he died, he was sharing with his apostles. He was teaching them how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer and die, be buried, and raise again the third day to prove he was the Messiah, God. And then the last verse today, this is talking about Peter, James, and John discussing this great vision that they saw. Mark chapter 9, verse 10. And they kept that saying with themselves, questioning one another what the rising from the dead should mean. They didn't tell the other nine apostles, but amongst that three of them, they talked about this. 
And it says what they were grappling with, what they were wrestling with, is what does this rising from the dead mean? Many times the apostles, they just didn't see the true spiritual application. Now we have the benefit of a complete Bible. Remember at this point, none of the New Testament was written down. All that they had to draw on was the Old Testament books. Of course, following Jesus for three years. But here they were wrestling with, what does this mean, the rising from the dead? And now we know, Jesus on Easter Sunday morning, he rose from the dead. Jesus proved he was God. And because he is God, if we have faith in him, that indeed he did rise from the dead, we also can have eternal life. Do you have that faith today that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he rose again on the third day? Because that is crucial to receiving him as Lord God and Savior of your life. What I would like to do is close us in a prayer today. That was the end of the message. And if anyone here today has not received Jesus as their Lord God and Savior, that today would be the day of your salvation. Don't boast yourself of tomorrow. We don't know what a day will bring forth. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this text, verses that discuss your transfiguration, this beautiful vision that you allowed Peter, James, and John to witness. Lord, it is a foretelling of the glorified bodies even we will receive from you one day when we are made in your likeness. And Lord, our prayer today, my prayer today, is if somebody in this room has not submitted and surrendered to you as their Lord and God, that even today would be that day. And for any listener who's wrestling with this, go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to reveal through the power of his Holy Spirit his true deity to you. And Jesus, I know you're God. And many, many Christians around the world know you as personal Lord and Savior. Your Bible says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And Lord, if there's somebody here today who is not a sheep, is not in your sheepfold, that today they would hear your voice and follow you. Father, thank you for sending Jesus, the Lamb of God, to die for us. And Jesus, for being obedient to the cross and fulfilling the Father's will. And your Holy Spirit, that quickens us from our trespasses and our sins. God, we love you. Thank you for this beautiful day and for your word. Amen. So you are dismissed and have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Thank you.